welcome to Real Rap with Reynolds Teacher Talk with your host, C.J. Reynolds. Every time that countdown goes, I think of Wayne's World when they're like, five, four, three. <laughs> What's up, everybody? My name is CJ Reynolds, and this is Sunday Night Teacher Talk, which happens in the afternoon. It is, uh, man, it's a good Sunday. It is, uh, it's beautiful out here in New Jersey. We are, uh, the Eagles don't play till four o'clock today. Um, Eagles won last week, even though uh, we played a... <laughs> We played a team with an 0-7 record. So, um, you know, whatever. We'll take it. We'll take it. it. So (laughs) here's the idea here. If you've not been here before, um, and it's good to be back because we we missed missed last week too because we were out trick-or-treating with the kids. And look, I'm going to be honest. I I know I I skipped my whole intro, but I'm going to do it in a second. I have a 14-year-old and a 12-year-old. I don't know if my 12-year-old really cares if I trick-or-treat with her anymore, but my 14-year-old still really cares. And because he's a he's of a he's of a different breed uh but i you can't say no it's like i, I don't take up I, you don't even like to hang out with me most of the time i'm you want me to go trick-or-treating i'm there let's go so anyway that's what we were doing last week and we really love get, i think giving out candy is more fun to our whole family it is like we, we got really jams there's a smoke machine going on we're like calling people over like we got candy come over here um and the dishwasher's oh, done <laughs> so the, uh, the idea here, gang, if you've not been here before, is we are trying to create a space on Sundays, uh, which is quite often the most terrifying day of the week for educators, to explore and express what it might be like to be the teacher that you're called to be. I think that this is an incremental uh, activity. It is like teaching is a craft, right? It's not something that comes right away. It's not something that you're good at immediately. Some are better than others. Sure, there's some things that you're good at, but as a whole... We're always growing and changing and trying to become a better version and optimizing the type of teacher that we are. Um, and, and, and really, that just comes down to a lot of times, like optimizing the type of human being that you are. So before we jump into questions and stuff like that, I do want to just sort of like, you know, if, if there's something you hear, if there's something that I mentioned, if there's something you're interested in, if this is something, if, you know, what we're doing here, the work we're doing here is interesting to you, you can go right to our website, realwrapwithrentals.com. There's more information there. And look, the whole idea here is to try and help as many people as we possibly can, because I know, you know, uh, and and when I say we, uh, this isn't just me. This is like you put a question in the comments, somebody else is going to answer that, too. So we welcome anyone uh, to to sort of speak to some of the things that you might hear, because I don't don't know the answer to every single thing. And and that's the beauty of, of teaching is it's a communal activity. So um, and then you can follow us on social media on all the regular platforms. Plus. I know I've been teasing this for a long time, but um, I had a dream the other night, a literal dream that I was on TikTok. And so I came up with like 15 ideas for TikTok. I'm going to shoot them. I'm going to edit them. I'm going to put them out there. And if it, if it works, it works. If I don't really like doing it, that's how that's where I'm at, kids. I'm at the level in, in business where if I don't really like doing it, there's some stuff I have to do, of course, but like, um, I don't really like tweeting. So I don't go on. I don't go on the twitter too much no it's an evil place it's almost as evil as reddit um that's just my viewpoint anyway wife what do you got for me all right let's start with kara she is saying that was a mistake i just that was you know make yourself disappear all right she's saying i will be student teaching next semester in an elementary school with everything that's going on right now in the american public school What's some advice you would provide to someone that is about to student teach and hasn't been able to be in a classroom prior for field work because of COVID? Yeah. So I think uh, one is to get as involved as possible from the jump. Don't wait to start talking to kids. Don't wait to start participating. Like if you see a need and there's and there's freedom to do it, uh, go do it. So that means if your lead teacher is, or whatever you're going to call them, whatever you're like, so if your lead teacher is teaching and you see a kid that needs help, you see a kid that needs a shoe tied, you see a kid that needs to to focus in, you see a kid that needs um, some assistance, you see a parent that's sitting there waiting, just like like inserting yourself in a, in in ways that you know how to insert yourself, right? It doesn't take that much to just make someone feel seen, heard, and cared for. So I think it's immediately 
doing that like on the first day. Don't just sit there and wait. Just go over to kids and be like, hey, what's up, man? It's on your lunchbox there. Like, uh, you know, what'd you do this weekend? Like just inserting yourself in the class as quickly as possible. And the other piece is um, I think teachers that go in, look, teachers know stuff, uh, no doubt, right? So like, even if you haven't taught yet, there's a level of stuff that you know, because you've learned in school. But I think it's really going into the job with a learner's mindset. And so that you are not, sometimes we think we know stuff, but then we get into this, like we get into the position and we don't really know stuff. So it's like really listening to other teachers and look, some of that is going to be how to learn really good practices that have been tried and, and they, they work and others is like learning what you don't want to be. So you can like be taking mental notes of stuff that's like, that's not going to work for me. Um, teachers, sometimes when, when you're working with someone that's new, you're going to work in, they work in absolutes. So it's like, never let a kid do this, always do this. And it's like, eh, I think teaching's way more nuanced than that. So it's getting a sense, a feel of what that is, uh, and, and whether or not you want to do stuff. The other piece, right. Is building in time to fill yourself back up. Their teaching is a taxing activity. It takes a lot from you. Um, and I was actually thinking about this, not, not to go too religious on you, but I was thinking about this when Darius was talking this morning and talked about this story from the Bible. Look, I, and even if you're not Bible, this isn't, I'm just, you'll get it in a second. Jesus is walking through a crowd. All these people are brushing up against them. This woman who has an affliction where she's been bleeding for 12 years, she shows up and she grabs Jesus's hem of his garment and he said he could feel the energy go out of him. And all I could think of was, man, I feel like that all year. Like just people, <laughs> not to equate myself with Jesus, but like people just grabbing your hem and you just feel the energy going out of you. You need to fill that energy back up, but you have to have a plan in place to do it, right? Anyone that's ever been to counseling, anyone that's ever been in therapy, you know that you have to have certain things lined up so that when things start going wrong. When habits start to, to show up again, you have to have those things in place so that you can do the best work that you can do. Next Good question luck. Um, comes from Jose. He's asking seventh grade language arts. What are some resources you could point me to for trauma sensitive classroom management and strategies? I have a class in particular with a lot of family slash drug related issues. I, I would check out, um, look, I, like there's a lot of good comments in here. Maisha said to check out Edutopia. Um, yep. There's other ones in here. I'm sorry. I have to read. So I think anything you're going to see in there is going to be, is already good, right? These, these folks are vetted for the most part. Every once in a while, there's some wacko that comes in here and yells about Satan or something like that. But um, they, uh, but I think anything by my friend, Nicole Thompson, that's T-H-O-M-P-S-O-N. She has really good stuff online. And I think these aren't necessarily strategies, but you'll definitely get the vibe. You'll get the feel. You'll get the, the, the energy of this. Um, I, I think there are things to do, but then it's interesting to see people do things in practice, right? So like I really love watching something where I can – watching something or someone uh, in which folks are practicing – what what I'm reading on the on other end. So there is um, a documentary, I believe it's free on Hulu, uh, about Father Gregory Boyle. I think that's worth a watch and then take buying all of his books is worth it also. But like just that, just watching someone um, engage with those that have been uh, through traumatic events is like, it's, it's just, it's, I, I gain, I get more from that than I do from like reading a book per se. Now, um, I think, you know, it's important to remember when, when, when dealing with, with folks that are going through things that you've not been through, I think that those classrooms are so much more nuanced than, than like, than like your average regular classroom. I think all classrooms are nuanced, but I think the ways in which we're dealing with students um, really becomes a moment of fair is not equal. And so for some kids that are going to like, you know, you'll get students that like 
get real worked up because it's like, well, how come you're giving them extra time? How come you're giving them extra space? How come you're, they, you know, they don't have to do this or how come they were allowed to come in later? How come they can have their head down bro? Cause fair is not equal. That's why. So you might have a student that comes in and it's like, you just need a day to just sit on the couch or sit in the corner or whatever, or put your head down, put your earbuds in and just listen to music and chill. Everybody gets a day, right? I take days. I've taken three days off this year. Now, one of them is because I had to go to the dentist, but, um, but that was only middle of the day, like get some stuff done. But like, um, the, you know, it is really about, uh, figuring out what specific students need as best you can. It's really impossible to meet every single person's needs every single day in every single way. That's why teaching is a communal activity and we do this together as a group. Um, but it's about figuring out what works best for some kids and then doing that. Some kids need extra time. Some kids need extra grace. Some kids need um, extra patience. Some kids need you to, to get all up in their face and push them. Uh, my son tells me, he's like, yeah, sometimes I just need you to be a drill sergeant. That's what he literally said to us uh, about stuff. So it's because that lights him up and that motivates him. That doesn't light up and motivate every single kid. So it's about figuring those pieces out too. And I'd say the other thing is don't underestimate reaching out to parents or loved ones. They know more about their kid than a lot of times we give them credit for. And two, don't underestimate that your attention is more important than your advice. Just listening to people that have been through stuff, that are going through stuff without feeling like we need to fix them, like without feeling like we need to say the right thing and just sitting there with them in the hurt, it does way more than I think uh, we give it credit for. What you got? I have some rogue eyelash or something. Something's it's making me crazy. Um, Stephanie Shrick is asking, my district is going to make academic uh, remediation mandatory. We'll be taking away an elective from kids. What have you done? What have you done to make it successful and non-punitive? Hopefully keeping electives. <laughs> yeah. Never take away electives. That's so it's like, Hey, you're not so good at work. I'm going to give you more. That'd be like, man, I'm really not good at working out. I'm going to make my workout harder. I think that will make, that will make me work out. Well, it's like a punishment more. also for like kids who have ADHD, like that can't sit still. Well, and that's like what it can come down to, right? So it's about, I think it's about getting to the root of what kids are doing and why they're doing it instead of penalizing them for just doing it, right? I'm not against taking away other stuff. I could take away your after school time and make you stay and look over your homework with me, organize your stuff real quick, something of that nature. But like taking away stuff that's fun, that's like when teachers take away recess, I feel like it's, I'm just going to say it's like one of the most wrong things you can do to a kid. Cause some kids, they, they can only, they can only do school if they ran around and screamed their head off for 20 minutes. And, and to be honest, the whole recess thing, that's a whole nother conversation because like when our kids, like our kids got seven, Oh, that's right. they had so nine minutes for recess. It took 60 seconds to walk there, 60 seconds to walk back. So they had seven minutes for our boy with extreme ADHD what you can't even <laughs> you can't even pick teams as ADD kids in friggin seven minutes right like you pick teams you did one round of kickball and it's like all right going inside anyway um I I think Steph the, the move with helping kids um is that I, I think all students want to be successful I don't think that kids understand why it's important to be successful and I don't think they understand how I think kids often have a false idea of what it is going to look like to study, to um, to work hard. So like, what's it look like to study? It means I go home, I, t I don't pay attention to anything else. And for three hours, I'm going to sit here. What, bro, three what? Three hours of what? Like, I like to show kids that for vocabulary, for, for instance, I need you to study for three minutes. And if you study for more than three minutes, then we're going to have a problem, bro. We're not studying that much. So it is but it's showing them how to do it. I'm guaranteeing that if you study three minutes a night, you'll get a hundred on this. And then that, and then let's talk about the, why we study vocabulary. Let's start there. Why do we study vocabulary? Let's talk about how we're going to study vocabulary. Let's talk about the fact that I'm only going to give you five more words a week. So you only start off with five words. The next week, it's those five words again, and then another five words. The next week, it's another five words for some classes. And some classes only stick with 10 because that's what we do in those classes. And that's a whole nother conversation. But we're, we're talking about uh, 
rigging it so you can win and then gamifying it as much as possible. And then I, I think it's celebrating kids like you brought your cards to class again, your vocab cards every day, getting credit. You are participating in the review, even if you don't have the right answers, getting credit. You went above and beyond in participating in what you were doing. And I saw you have a thing on, I know it took you a second to process it. I know that you're, that this is a struggle for you. I know that like you're, you're, you've not had a good track record with, with this. I'm noting that you're doing a great job right now. And you're trying on every single turn, even if that thing's not right, you took this shot credit for it. And so I think that we are, we are a giving kids credit, giving kids love, giving kids attention, giving kids positive feedback on effort sometimes. Now, look, the outcome matters also. So if you're still scoring a 30% out of 100, um, we got a problem. We got to realign what's going on here. But it is, um, I think, helping kids to see what exactly is the problem. Why, why aren't you winning? Why do you think you're not winning? Let's implement some very simple strategies, like two things that are going to help you win. So maybe that looks like you have to stop in and see me every single day after school. We're going to organize your work real quick. And you're not allowed to be in here for more than five to 10 minutes. That is the limit of help you're getting from me, right? Because kids don't want to come if you're going to keep them there for an hour, 40 minutes and just talk to them and, and hold them up. And like, that's not even friendly talk. That's like lecturing talk. We're going to rig it so you can win. Then all I want you to do is as soon as you go home, for 20 minutes, open your folder, do this, this, and this. Because kids doing 20 minutes of homework is better than kids doing no minutes of homework, right? Kids doing coming in after school for five to 10 minutes that they know they're going to get in and out and maybe they get some candy while they're in there or something like that. Like, I got candy. Like, I had it in here. Like, I pay my kids. I pay my children for their Halloween candy. We buy them out. Put everything in this giant Ziploc bag. And if you can fill it up, I give you five bucks. And then, and then my kids aren't eating that candy. Then I have incentives for school. It's a whole, it's a whole brilliant idea here. I got the whole scheme we got going on. But I think that that's where I would start, Steph, is getting kids to realize how they can win, um, why they should win, and then setting them up for success and then applauding their smallest feats. Um, it's This isn't giving out participation trophies. This is giving out, this is giving love. So you don't win the championship because of what you're doing. But I, I can pat you on the back and say good job i see you trying now it's your job to scale that and and that's where i would start though our next question comes from paris hi any tips for students that are opting out of doing work my science classes have a group final project this week and i don't want a few kids to slow down the rest uh i you know this this sort of goes back to what i was just saying but I think Paris, there is value in failing too. Like some kids need to realize that like with, even with what I was saying to Stephanie Shook, right. If a kid doesn't show up after school though. Right. So I set up this whole plan. I got, I'm, we're, we're ready to rock. We're going to get you to the next level. Right. No matter where you are, if you don't show up for the help, I can't help you. If I set up all the things and say, hey, you can check out a day and put your head down if you're having a hard day, you can, I just need you to do this much work and then we're going to talk about how we're going to get the rest done. You can you can systematize things as much as you want. You can engage kids as much as you want. You can make things as fun as you want. You can play all the music you want. You can create the best game. You can create the best activities. You can create the best projects. Um, and you can be like, it's, it's the greatest, right? Somebody might come in and not want to do what you got to do. Somebody might not be feeling what you're feeling. And so it's about giving those kids the best shot to win. But then sometimes I think that there's value in letting kids fail. Then, bro, like I, I can't do it for you, right? I can make, think about this. Planet Fitness, they have a gazillion TVs in there. They have all top of the line equipment. They have, it's clean in there. They have showers and lockers and music playing that's bumping. They have like every conceivable TV on. And when you get on the treadmill, you can plug into any of those TVs and listen to the program that's on there, right? They have free bagels on some days and they have free pizza on other days. And this is, I I, uh, I give my donation to uh, Planet Fitness every month. So let's talk about that. Every month, my wife and I, we pay $10 donation to the Church of Planet Fitness. Do we ever go there? No, we never go there. We haven't been I there. Swear, I'm canceling it. We haven't been there in a week and a year and a half. You know why? Because they make you go in and sign up and say you're a failure um, to, to quit. Even though they do all this stuff, doesn't mean I go, right? 
doesn't stop them. They're still rocking and rolling. The people that show up at Planet Fitness are getting fit. The rest of them aren't. And so sometimes kids need to fail and then have that like have that hit them. And then going forward, when that reality sets in that, oh, no, bro, you're for real going to fail. And your parents saw it and you saw it and the kids can see all the things that you were trying to do. And then you still failed anyway. It's about then reassessing what we're doing so we can move forward. So that's how I look at that sometimes. Next question is coming from John. He's saying, I love that you are not afraid to talk about your faith. How would you say that your faith in Jesus directly influences you as a teacher and your relationship with students? First of all, can we look at John in this picture? John is somewhere um, that looks like when we were in Zambia, in mm -hmm. South Central Africa. So um, I, uh, I'm not afraid to talk about my faith. I don't do it very much because I, because uh, I am, I'm for the short of it is I really, one of the, one of the quotes that has hit me the most in my life um, is a quote by Francis of Assisi who said, uh, preach always and when necessary use words. And so I like to hope my, my effort is that my life is living out that faith and, and talking about it when asked, but yeah. So um Faith in Jesus directly influences you as a teacher and your relationship with your students. I think, um, first of all, John, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing unless it was missional, right? So like, like every single part of my life that I can think of has been missional, right? Like I live in the neighborhood that I live in. Like I don't live, uh, you know, even though I'm a, a rich YouTuber, no, I'm not rich, but like, even though, uh, you know, the, the things present themselves in a certain way. Um, I live in a real, I live in a Bruce Springsteen song. That's what I live in. I live in like a real kind of like blue collar, tough neighborhood that I moved to with all of my friends. 50 of us all moved to the same neighborhood. Um, the working at it, working as a teacher, I did because I felt that's what I was supposed to do. Working in the neighborhood that I work in, I did it as I was supposed to do. I think um, in walking in, I, you know, some of that, this is a huge question. I'm trying to think about like, what can I say that would, that would meet this question, but this is a really big conversation. It is, I think part of it is working with those on the margins. Um, I've always been drawn to that work. I've always been drawn to mentors and my teachers before me that have done that sort of work, whether it's the desert fathers, whether it was, um, Francis of Assisi, like I said before, whether it was, um, father Gregory Boyle, uh, and, you know, even my homie, like the, the guy that was part of the church that I was a part of for the first 20 years of my life, uh, or of, of my, this walk anyway, uh, was a guy named Shane Claiborne, who was, we were part of the same church in Philadelphia called Circle of Hope. Um, and it was about this idea that, that I feel drawn to is working with folks in the margins, working with those that think that they've been forgotten, uh, or that society has forgotten, and then showing up and loving them like they're not um, doesn't mean saving people like per se, like I'm not there to like be some sort of like savior in my school and save these kids. What I'm trying to do is love kids where they are and help them to get to where they can be. Um, and so I think that that's, that's part of that question. That's a big one though. That could be like it a is. whole video um, or series. Oh my gosh, hold on one second. I was While you're doing that, I want to publicly thank my friend, John Lopez, who sent me a bunch of coffee uh, last week and it sat in my PO box for a minute. Cause I wasn't able to get there. Cause the PO, the post office closes at 5 PM. That's the end of my business day. So every day I would go to the post office to try to get there and I couldn't, but he also sent me these mints, happy little tree mints. And I just, thank you, John Lopez. You're a thoughtful human being. He is. He is. He's incredible. Our next question comes from Carol. She's asking how, do you make your room a center of peace for you? My school is out of control. The union is filing a grievance against school and district. Our school made the news. The fights are bad. Hmm. So I have a friend at school the other day that was talking. Um, we had a really good conversation in school the other day where our CEO had a bunch of us, had all the returning teachers in a classroom and spoke to us about like, he sent out a Google form asking like what we thought about the school year and they got some pretty tough feedback. But then I thought it was really powerful that he brought all of us into a room and we had this conversation that was really open and honest. And we were going to like move this conversation, like, like 
with the with the hope and real a real feeling that things were going to change and we were going to move forward. Um, the that being said, I'm sorry, my son is distracting me because he's at my office door breathing on it and making fun because <laughs> that's that's my boy. Um, so it, one of my friends in the, in in the meeting said, you know, the class feels great. The class is like a moment of Zen. It's when I leave the class, the overwhelming feeling of negativity in the school is really, that's really something. And we need to do something about that. And I, I can 100% align with that. Sometimes it's like in my classroom, things are great. It's what the hell's happening in the hallway and the vibe you get when you talk to everybody else. There's like so much negativity that it's, it's, it is almost palatable. It's like you can feel it like a fog in the hallway. And so the way that I protect my peace in my classroom is that um, one, they're just not anybody can come up and have lunch with me this year. I've started having kids for lunch. I thought this was a COVID thing. We weren't letting kids in the classroom. Turns out other people are, but there's no, there's no one like, like watching the kids in that sort of way on the front, on the first or not on the first floor on, um, on certain floors, I will say of the, of the school. So kids are like coming up for lunch and then just running rampant on, on the floors. They're like going in and out of classrooms and stuff. So I lock my door. I block my window with a little, I have like a little hole that you can peel the thing up. It says, look first. And then there's other teachers in my room and only certain students um, are allowed in my room. And I pick and choose because I don't want dudes that are giving me nuts. I want dudes that are chilling. Sometimes that's kids that need to work with me. Sometimes it's kids that need to talk with me. Sometimes it's kids that just need a quiet place but I don't open it up to everybody. Right. And I, and I feel I can do that. Another thing is I've been hiding in, um, there's a, there's a, there's a room in the basement of the school that used to be for breastfeeding mothers. Um, so they could nurse during the day. It has since become a haven of crap in there. So I hide in the old breastfeeding room and, uh, that's where I get work done. I brought a little table in there. I found a chair and I set it up. And nobody knows I'm in there except for the cleaning guy who I scared the crap of out of the other day because he came in to get like some paper towels. And he was like, what are you doing here? I'm like, bro, I swear it's the only quiet place. I put in my AirPods. I listen to music that is uplifting to me. Um, and then that is where I spend most of my day is either in my room or in the breastfeeding closet. That's it. And then that alleviates like if i'm not around all that other stuff because i'm not on a, i'm not like there's no professional duty during my preps that i need to be anywhere that is where i am um that helps a lot because you don't even realize or notice or see all the madness you're living in a tight little bubble of total focus and that's how i that's how i rock like reynolds in the breastfeeding room <laughs> Um, our next question question comes from Jess. She's saying, I challenged my third graders to collectively read 100 chapter books by the 100th day of school. They're going to almost double this goal. I need to come up with something mind-blowing as a reward. You know what I'm going to say already? Yeah, cereal Listen, you could do something else, but I think cereal parties are the way to start. Sure, all kids love cereal as much as Babe, they think they every do. kid loves cereal. And if that kid doesn't love cereal, you need to talk to their parents. What's going on at home? All right, because we have concern. I am not a cereal. Fan. Your kid is Stay eating once apple slices, and I'm concerned because I brought in the Count Chocula and they're not even getting down with it. Um, I think cereal party, I man, I I think if kids went above and beyond, I don't I'd have like carnival day or something i would just go nuts i'd have like all kinds of games and madness and we're gonna like week of fun like every week for this portion of class we're gonna like do something that's like watch a show make something do something silly yeah just something crazy i just i feel like excuse me um there's got to be somebody in the comments that, that has the answer for this there's got to be somebody in here um I don't think he's on here, but my man, James Pete would be a good one for this. Uh, who Somebody's got to have a, like, if kids go above me, they double your expectations, right? What are we doing for kids to show them that we love them, we care about them, and we see the good and hard work that they're putting in? Uh, that's that's what I want to know. Somebody's got to have an answer in there. My answer is cereal party. 
but I think you go above me. I'll tell you what, cereal party with just the marshmallows from Lucky Charms. That's where we're going. Oh, okay. That's we're fine. we're taking we're stripping it's all, all weird stuff. we're stripping all of the even fake health out of out of this. <laughs> Those little oats here. Yeah, yeah, we're getting oats. It's part of a complete breakfast. Okay, our next question is from Kellen White. Uh, how do you deal with a lack of planning time during the day? My first year teaching after COVID and two to three days a week, I don't get a break or lunch during the day. I feel like you just talked about that, didn't you? Uh, yeah, but let's talk about that real quick. Um, this whole planning thing has me has me worked up this year. We So here's what we're, we're learning. Not all leaders talk to other leaders and they go, hey, I have this really important... Person A goes, I have this really important thing that I need you guys to do this year. You need to do it and you need to make sure that it's handed in every day by whatever time. Then another leader comes along. Hey, I have a really important thing that I want you guys to do this year. It's super important and you have to do it by this day and this time. Hey, did you know that somebody else already gave us a really important thing to do this year? What are you talking about? We didn't, these, these are the people. They're talking to one another. No, um, I did not know about that. Yeah, well, maybe you should like talk to them because now we have like two, three, four, five very important things. And I don't think the leadership really has a sense of like what is going on. Can we map, maybe y'all could map this out, all the leadership, then let us know what's happening. Because it's it's kind of feels like you're on a battlefield and you're like, all right, we're going over there. We're going to beat those dudes. And then someone else goes, all right, listen, I don't know what he just said, but we're going over there. We're going to beat those dudes. And everyone's going, what the hell are we doing? I don't even understand what's happening right now. So some of it is gaining clarity, making sure that you know what is what is expected. Another thing I've been asking admin is, here's all the things we've been asked to do. I would love for someone to show me a timeline, like a weekly schedule that could show me how I'm doing this on school time and I'm not taking it home. Um, I've not gotten an answer to that yet. I think the other thing is uh, working with others. So, you know, Going for this next portion of the year, I'm going to work with the other ninth grade literature teacher. We're going to come up with stuff together so we're not recreating the wheel. I also work with my co-teacher. So my co-teacher, Kayla, uh, I say what we're going to do. She types what we're going to do because she's just way better at that. And she's better at organizing my ideas. So I just give her a whole bunch of songs and she puts them into a nice, pretty playlist and uploads them. Uh, so that that helps also and then not recreating the wheel it is so so important that you find other stuff from other sources to meet the needs that you're you're required to meet so that might look like um partnering with other teachers that might look like buying something online but it could look like going right to our facebook group real rapid reynolds teacher talk and saying like hey does anyone else have a ninth grade odyssey curriculum does anyone else have um, I'm teaching this next unit in geometry. Does someone have like a go-to spot? Do they have a curriculum? Do you have lesson plans? Like something that's going to help me out because I'm drowning here. I'm telling you, people will give you stuff and it will benefit your life. Uh, so it's about system. It's about simplifying things. And then for me, real quick, I think it's also about systematizing things, right? So I do the same thing every week on each day. So every Monday in my class looks almost identical, different, different vocab words, different journal entries, different reading, uh, diff re different reading passages. But every Monday is the same thing. Every Wednesday, independent reading, journal, vocab review, uh, and then something else that we're doing. It is always the same thing. So I don't. So I'm just plugging new things in. Um, keep it simple. That's that's what I'm going with there. What you got, dude? Next question comes from Jacob. When my freshmen were in middle school, they could turn in late work. I don't accept late work. We are going into the second nine weeks and a majority still can't turn it in on time. Tips or advice? Uh, I would. So I don't do late work. I don't do makeup work. I don't do extra credit in the sense that, hey, I didn't do all this work all quarter. What can I do now to get my grade up? I don't do that stuff. Um, I make plans for how you can get the highest F that you can get in that thing. And then, and then we figure out the rest of the year. Uh, Cause yeah, you have to learn how to take your loss like a boss. Sometimes with regards to this, I think it's figuring out what, what is the problem? Why aren't kids getting stuff done? Um, maybe, I mean, it's worth considering. Is it too much work? Is the work too difficult? Was there not good enough instruction on the front end? Um, I know that like we immediately, a lot of times, like I think like this isn't my fault. 
Um, but it's worth like if everyone fails your vocab test, it's worth going, could we have done a better job as teachers to do this? So that's worth looking at. Um, and then what I would do some, sometimes here's, here's how I'll work this. Uh, if I need kids to read 10 pages tonight for homework, I'd be like, listen, we're, we're going to do this. We're going to do five pages tonight. That's what I need you to get done. Or, um, or I just cut out homework altogether. Like I don't, I don't give homework. It's very, very rare. Uh, because I tell kids we need to get this done in class today. If we can get this done, there's no homework. If we can't get this done, it's going to become homework. And that's going to be a problem because you know, you're not going to do it. You know, you're going to get a zero and you know, you're going to cry when your mom sees that you didn't do it. So it is about, um, figuring out a way so kids feel like they can win. The other thing, Jacob, that I've done in the past is we used to have this thing called the lack of procrastination club. And that club was for kids that got stuff in early. I would incentivize getting things in early and giving extra credit on that. So if you work hard and you get this to me by Thursday, it was due Friday, then I'm giving you extra credit. Then I, when kids hand in, I'm like, all right, yo, so far, like so-and-so has it done and so-and-so has it done and so-and-so has it done. And, uh, you know, I, but like today, end of the day is the last time to get this in for extra credit. And then I, I like, sometimes the extra credit will be um, points. Sometimes it's points met with like a snack or some, I don't know, something like, you know, but that, that helps kids too, to constantly remind them. Um, and I think it's the reminder piece that needs to happen too. I think calling parents or sending an email home to parents and saying, Hey, look, if you're getting this email, so not in, not individually, Hey, if you're getting this email, it means your child hasn't been handing in homework, uh, or, or getting stuff in on time in school. This is going to be a problem. Uh, you know, and, and telling them like what you're already doing for their kid and what they can do to help themselves. That helps too. And then I had another idea too, but I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> I'll think of it. It'll pop into your head. Yeah. All right. We're going to 11 o'clock tonight. Um, to John Fox. And this is a four part one. So pay attention. Oh, the other thing real quick. Oh, um, I make signs out of foam core board uh, that I hold in the hallway. I put them on the end of a yardstick and I hold them in the hallway saying like uh, homework due today, uh, test today, independent reading stuff, reading day today. Uh, it's all of those sorts of things so that kids are like, every time they walk down the hallway, it's like, oh my gosh, I got to remember to do Reynolds stuff. And that helps too. I see a, I see a better ROI on my asks. All right, John Fox is asking, both another teacher and I, fifth grade, have noticed every year something weird with students who had a particular fourth grade teacher. Students often have standardized test scores much higher than their current ability, and students will start out the year asking for help during tests, as if they're accustomed to being fed answers. We strongly suspect this teacher is doing something to inflate grades and scores to make herself look good. The biggest problem we have is that is that at parent-teacher conferences, their child their child's scores have dropped so much, and why and why they're no longer doing well in English. Um, I always struggle with how to respond. What would you say to them? I would go to your administration immediately. I would go both teachers to the administration and say, "Hey, look, we're not sure." Um, with, I'm not accusing this is, there's this curious difference between our class and their class. I'm not sure. Is there something that teachers doing that they're teaching in some kind of miraculous way or, or doing something that like we should be doing that we don't know about? Is there some sort of like, just dog being weird. Um, is there something that they're doing to create buy-in for the students? So like you're coming at it from a place of curiosity and not accusation. And in doing that, that's like, you know, like, so I, that's, I would take it to your principal immediately uh, and say, hey, look, we need to figure this out because these kids are are losing in our class. And we seem, we feel like we're doing like, like be able to explain, like, here's all the things that we're doing and here's where these kids are. Uh, and maybe do a little bit of digging into like, what are some of those kids like reading levels? Where are they at uh, with their other classes? Like, were they winning in all their classes last year or just English or like if, if it's even divvied up like that. But um, I would take that to administration because what they're going to do is either uncover something that's happening that's wrong and that that teacher 
could potentially get in trouble for, or, you know, best case scenario, they're going to, they're going to uncover best practices that like haven't been shared with you all, but that those kids are winning on like such a hardcore level in that class. That might be some things that you can bring into your class. My, my guess is that that's not the case, but I think it, it, it behooves us to, to act on the side of curiosity and best intentions rather than like accusations and, and, and things of that nature, even if that's your sense that that's happening, that's what I would do. And if, look, if that doesn't happen, if nothing moves at the principal, bring it to somebody else, the vice principal, the director of curriculum, the superintendent, like I don't stop. Like when I want something addressed, I just keep going to the next level and the next level and the next level and the next level until something does something. Um, I heard something this morning. Let's go back to church real quick again, uh, that your frustration is a blessing. And that the things that frustrate you are quite often the things that you have been given to do. Those are the things that like it's bothering you in some sort of like unique way because you are now the one that has to do something about it. So that's what I would that's what I would do. Summer Tate is asking another teacher does not like that my seventh grade students are saying that I am their favorite teacher when they are in her class. I have never cared if students if students favorite another teacher over me and don't understand her um, contention. contention yep. uh, she told the students that some teachers are serious while others are cheerleaders. I work closely with her and need her to drop this weird issue advice. Summer Tate. This is the story of my life. <laughs> um, because here's what happens. Because school sucks and teachers don't think that fun is important or play is important. Uh, and like we talked about last week, like with uh, Little Space Freckles saying that, like getting in trouble just for doing things that are fun. Um, look, I think the bottom line is that like some kids are just going to gravitate towards fun and and silliness and senses of humor. And that doesn't mean anybody is not a good teacher. Right. It doesn't mean anyone is less than it just means kids prefer a certain type of teacher. But the fact of the matter is that not everyone's just fun. Right. Not everyone is silly. Not everyone comes up with the ideas. Not everyone is as curious or, or uh, I'll say as curious about students and wants to know about them. Right. So like creating building relationships builds buy in, which builds kids that love your class and love you. Um, I had a, a student last year tell a teacher. And this is both a horrific thing to say to a teacher, but it was one of the funniest things a kid ever said about me. Um, he had a really great 10th grade English teacher, right? Like I know her, I see the stuff that she does. She's fantastic. The student told her, uh, when she said, why don't you pay attention to my class? You're just not like, I, I didn't know you had such a hard time with school, blah, blah, blah. And he goes, because your class is basically the dollar store version of Mr. Reynolds's class. That's what he told her. And I just thought, first of all, Greg, I appreciate it, bro. That's the nicest thing anyone's ever said to me in my life. Um, but that's not nice. Like, and so I think some of it is, is that I, I think, you know, Summer, I, I might also talk to students about um, knowing when and where to say things, right? Like not that it's just to benefit you, but that like your mom doesn't want to know that your dad's your favorite. She doesn't want to know. Not all the time. You don't have to be putting it all up in her face. You could talk about things we did in class that were fun, stuff we do in class that's really fun, how we do things that's really great. That's different than like, you know, mom's my favorite. You know, like whenever, I don't know why that aggravates me. When our kids, whenever like the kids will hear us like me yell or they'll hear like what they thought was, even if we're watching football and there's yelling or something, or they think like, it always comes down to, are you guys getting a divorce? Right? And then someone always yells what what do they yell you're not paying attention they're yelling they i always hear i'm living with mom what but what i'm living with mom too what what are you talking about dad's a thousand times more fun than mom is like one thousand times more fun than mom is what do you mean you're living with mom like i cook and do their laundry it's 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 a maternal thing they just they're just drawn to you. They are. I do my best. Don't feel bad. It's okay. So, Summer, that's what I would talk to kids about because I, I just think that that's good practice in life is like, you know, your next boss doesn't want to know that your other boss is your favorite either. But like, yeah. And and if that doesn't work, guess what? They got to get over it because 
awesome. Why don't they go? That's awesome. I love that Miss Tate's your favorite teacher. She is great. She's awesome. She's fantastic. She does fun stuff all the time, man. She's amazing. That's how I deal with it. All right. Our next question is from Hank. How do you justify not taking every student on a field trip? I have 60. I don't know. What to be World War II. Oh, students. Um, first and second semester, I only want to take about 30 to 35 to a Holocaust museum um, that will appreciate the experience. You said it right there, Hank. They'll appreciate the experience. I don't ever, 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 ever take whole class field trips. And I realize that some people can only do that. That's a whole different conversation. I don't have to, so I never do. One, it's too many people to facilitate something, right? It's like you can't ensure that everyone's going to get, uh, even if you have chaperones and you have kids in groups of five or six or something like that, not all the chaperones are going to be the same. I can't, I, I can't, and, and I think field trips are, um, incentives sometimes some and they're not all based on grades so the kids i pick aren't all a students i'm not taking all the best behaved kids i'm taking kids i can trust and kids i think need the experience um but i try to get all kids on a trip at some point during the year right but like i tell kids you're just not ready to take a trip um there's a really good part in rafe esquith's book there are no shortcuts uh that speaks to this and how he doesn't take every kid on every trip anyway either and not all trips are built for 150 kids, right? Like when I go to breakout rooms, I can only take a certain number of kids in a breakout room. Like you have put more than eight kids or something like that in there. It's too crowded anyway. You can't do it. And there's not enough breakout rooms to do that. Um, if I take kids like to uh, meet with someone, I can't fill a store or a workplace or an art gallery or a dance studio with 150 kids. I just can't do it. So, um, So that's kind of how... I do that. And even when I have speakers like speak through Zoom or through Skype, I don't invite every student to my classroom because I don't think all kids need it. I don't think they want it. I don't think they're going to benefit from it. And I think it makes it a less than experience if you have all those kids. Uh, it's not a concert. It is a, it is a small event. Um, but that being said, I try to make class trips that aren't all day either unless they're on the weekends. And that's the thing that I take on because I don't want um, I don't want kids to. Uh, I forget what I was going to say, but I was distracted. The email came through on my phone. My ADD kicked in. Um, I don't want kids to feel excluded all the time or like they, they're not going to miss a whole day of Reynolds because I went on a class trip with them. Yeah. Here's an interesting question because you're usually the offender. So let's see how you answer this. Uh -oh. How do you hold your staff in your department accountable for regular paperwork? I tried chats, tough talks, and emails. Head of department here. I think that it is, so I am an offender of this. I don't hand things on time, but but here's why. I, I think I have a good reason. And, and it's not always a reason that's liked, but it's a reason. I do I do kids first, paperwork second. Um, so, th so what that means is sometimes, like, I only work within the school hours. I don't take any work home. I don't do anything on the weekends, and I don't work after school unless I really, really want to. Um, I think that being asked, like if, if I'm working out with a trainer, I want to know what I got to do in the gym. I don't want to know what I got to do when I go home. So, uh, that that's part of it. I think that it is. Um, so when people ask me like, why aren't your lesson plans in, how come you didn't hand in this particular thing I asked you to hand in? It's because I was talking to certain students. I was helping someone out with something that were extenuating circumstances, and then I think it's about looking at the paperwork that needs to be handed in and asking yourself, is it actually uh, important? Now, look, sometimes we can rationalize things and make them sound important, right? Our, our, I have administration I've worked with that can make things sound very, very important. And I look at them and I go, that's not valuable. Like writing the state standard on my board every day has zero value for students. No kid is going to look like that. No, well, then the kid knows exactly what they're doing. They know what they're working towards. Yeah, I, I hear you. I hear your explanation. But I know I just don't know a 14 year old that comes in and goes, hmm, student will be able to blah, blah, blah. Okay, got it. Let's go. No, that's not that's not important. Um, so I think the other thing is helping teachers figure out how to how what are best practices in getting that done, right? So like, we're going to sit down, we're going to look at the work that you need to do. And we're going to work walk through 
best practices because you sometimes I think teachers put stuff off because they they make it they make a mountain out of a molehill. And so it's about letting them see, no, this is actually what I'm asking for. And here's how you can do it and when you can do it and and why it's important. It's great. It's connecting them to those things, because then if you think you can do something, you're far more likely to do something. So it's, I think, rigging the game to win in that respect uh, helps, too. Our next question. Um, okay, I can't keep it up. Uh, our next question comes from Zachary Ross. I can't put it up on the screen. Okay. He is asking, it feels like the level of apathy has increased this school year on part on part of kids and some teachers alike. Any advice on how we can get students to love learning and put more effort into their work? I try to show kids that learning is fun, but it doesn't seem to connect. I I think that's a really great question. What was their name? Do you know? Uh, Zach. Zach. I just want to make sure that I'm Zachary. saying Zach. Okay, Zachary. So uh, uh, his friends just call him Zach on the street, though. So uh, yeah, no, I just I just made that up. <laughs> um, so Zach, I think that this has in part to do with the vibe of the school, right? So our kids showing up in in a place that is filled with wonder and curiosity and fun and spontaneity. And when it's not, I think that that trickles down to students, right? So, so one, I try my best, not always successful. I try my best to not let kids dictate my level of peace, my level of, of excitability, my level of um, like, we're going to get out there. We're going to do this. It's going to be fun. I, I try to, I'm like a band on stage that doesn't give a crap that there's six people and three of them are asleep right now. Like I'm, I'm going, I'm doing it. I'm up here because me, I'm up here because this is what I do. Right. I'm not up here because you're going to respond to it in some sort of way. That's one. Um, two, I think it's, uh, can you and your staff create a space that is filled with wonder and spontaneity and fun and excitement and silliness and play and all the things that make a really great work environment. Um, can we do this together as a group? And then hopefully that spills over to the kids. And the, I've done this in any number of absurd ways over the years from parties in the elevator to like just showing up in someone's classroom with a sword. And now we're going to fight because I know you have a sword in your classroom and it's going to go down and it takes 30 seconds. And then I leave and then it's over. Um, this happens with changing people's pictures in their classrooms to put pictures of me and in instead of their family or their husband or wife or their dog. And instead it's a Reynolds picture. Cause what else are you going to do with those pictures that the picture people give you once it goes in the yearbook? I don't know. I send them to my mother-in-law sometimes. Um, <laughs> so it's about thinking about what sitting back and literally just sitting down, right? Like have a cup of coffee, have a glass of wine and think, what would this look like if it was actually fun? What would this look like if school was actually enjoyable? And then starting to come up with ideas and then starting to implement those things a little bit at a time. I think the other thing is to hold a mirror up to your students and say, look, I just want to, I'm just trying to gain a sense of where we are and what we're doing and how this is going this year. I feel like the level of apathy and the level of buy-in is particularly low, but I feel like, I'm coming in, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, I'm doing this. Now, I'm not trying to blame you or say like, I'm doing this and you're down here and what's up and you guys suck because I'm awesome. It is, I'm if I'm, gain, if I'm clear on this, I'm trying to just get a clear vision as to where we are. And it looks like I'm doing this, but this is where everybody else is. Am I right or am I wrong? And then how can we shift? What else is going on? What do I need to know? Because maybe I'm not in the know. Maybe you guys are going through something. Maybe you're overwhelmed. Maybe you're not feeling it. Maybe COVID hit you in a particular way. And it went, since you weren't in school or you were virtual learning or whatever, that now you're just like, uh-huh. But like, what can we do? So the students have, so it's the teachers taking the reins. It is teachers not giving up their peace or their joy to students no matter what. And it's making students a part of the, the conversation where you're giving them power, you're giving them uh, a voice, and then actually implementing some of those student ideas into what you're doing as a class. Good job. Okay, next question comes mm. from, oh, you're not done? No, real quick. I really like when I say an answer, and then you, no one else can see this because she doesn't want to be on camera. You like affirm, you're like, yeah, like you like, like, you like that one. Here we go. Next one. Next one is from Zoe. How do you address students that already decided they hate your subject before they enter your lesson. Gosh, 
because sometimes your subject just is sucky for some kids. And it's, I don't care if kids love reading. I love reading. I think books are the best. There's a million reasons that I love reading. Reading is just, can we even just talk about how reading is magic, right? It is literally magical that you can read a book silently and it's just blurts of ink on a page that we all agreed that these things make these letters. This shape is an A, right? If I put these two letters together, it's this word. We put these words together, it creates this sentence. And then I can read that and it can literally make me scared, make me excited, make me hopeful, make me inspired, make me disgusted, make me um, make me like terrified and not want to go to bed because I rest. I was, why are you so scared to go to bed? Because I was looking at those ink blots in that book. And now the Tommy knockers not going to bed, right? Um, so it's magical. But somebody else might go, it's not magical. I don't, I just, I don't care, right? But it's the same way that some people love curling. You know what I mean? I'm just not, I'm that's not a curling person. But my friend Ryan Adamson, he loves curling and he's on a curling team and it's the best. So here's my gig. Kid, I understand that you hate my subject. I, under, I understand it sucks. I understand that you don't want to read. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to try and make this suck as less, the least amount possible. So sometimes we don't like to read because we are reading books that you think suck. I'll get you any book you want. Go on Amazon, order any single book okay, that you what want. If they're not a reading teacher. I mean, All right. So, so just whatever. They it, just so if it's it. bio, so if it's if it's me and math, right? Or if it's Marley and math. Marley hates math. Marley cries every day when Jen, I, when my wife has to do math with the kids. Just like Brody cries every day. If I, have to do I think it's <laughs> owning it, understanding it, and figuring out. But if this is what we have to do to win, right? If yeah. we need to know a certain amount of math to just live, right? Like we can go through the why, we, and, but that has to be strong. The why of what you're doing has to be strong. Then it's, here's how we're going to make this. The spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. Here's how we're going to do this. So it's not just doing math. It's where are we doing math? How are we doing math? It's incentivizing that, the math that you're is doing. Is that why you sprinkle magic on everything? It's, it's the sprinkling. Of the magic I mean, some, like, some of it. Connection. Yeah, it, it's, it is making things so that they just aren't that bad, right? Like it's it's Mary Poppins, man. It, it's spring, It's the spoonful of sugar that helps the medicine go down. It, it is making things so that it's like, look, I understand you hate this. Let's try and figure out a way for you to hate it the least so we can get the most out of this. Um, and having kids understand that not everything's always fun, right? And I, look, I was, I was raised by like a very German grandmom who was just like, what do you mean fun? We're not doing fun right? We just, you, we get through things because they're just, that's how we do. That's what life is. And I don't completely subscribe to that. I love you, grandma, but I don't completely subscribe to that idea. But I do think there's value in pushing through things that are hard. I think there's value in doing stuff. Even sometimes doing stuff just because it sucks is there's value in that because it's going to build a level of grit, a level of tolerance, and other things are going to hit you in the face when you go through life that are just not fun or not easy or not enjoyable, but you can build this muscle of like, oh, well, I can do that. And so for me, it was ma math always was a subject that I struggled with. It was not how my brain worked. Um, I And so I had to seek out tutors and teachers and helpers that were going to help me get through math. And now it just became this thing of like, what math? Yo, I got, I'll, I'll do it. What are we doing? What are we taking next? Like, I'll take that course. And then we're going to get through this because this is the muscle I'm building this muscle of being tough enough to push through something. Um, even if it scares me. And, and I think that that there's absolute value in that in a thousand ways. What you got? Uh, oh, sorry. You're just in there reading the comments. I am. Well, let's say this. Maisha's birthday is tomorrow. Oh. Happy birthday, Maisha. Maisha. If you don't know Maisha, she's lovely. And every day after she, every Sunday after she watches this live feed, she takes a nap with her cute, adorable little dog. That's the size of the dog that I was supposed to have until we had got the beast. Yes. Um, well, I mean, let's do one more. Oh, now you're really putting the pressure on me. I'm sorry. Um... Okay, hold on. I got to go find it. 
Let me sing a song. Sure. Yeah, if you really want to. I believe the children <laughs> are future. Really torturing people like that, huh? Teach them well. And... Oh, our viewers just went up since I started singing that song. <laughs> Show them all the beauty they possess. Inside. Come on, babe. Someone's on a run right now, okay. and I'm singing this song, okay, and they're like, what okay. am I doing? I'm going to run oh, into a tree. My God. How do you walk the line between being uh, encouraging and, and holding the line? I have... I have kids who um, just will not turn things in. I hate giving out zeros, but I only have X time to dig through right. unsubmitted digital files. So we said this uh, a little bit earlier, but I think it, it bears repeating. There is value in failing. Some kids should fail. If you don't do the work, you don't get the prize. If you don't do the sit-ups, you don't have abs. If you eat all the food and don't practice self-restraint, then you're you're pants after quarantine don't fit i'm not saying that happened to me saying all right it happened to me my pants didn't fit after i went back to school this year so um even though i've been the same pants size since junior year of high school i think there's value in failing but i think there's value in holding kids accountable um giving them all the opportunities that you can but if they don't take those opportunities it's failing and then creating a conversation around how are we going to win now what do we do now some of my favorite students and the kids I've had the absolute best experiences in high school are kids that got left back and they needed that extra year. But like, I'm thinking about my boy Ferg. I don't know if you're paying attention to me. Uh, this kid Ferg, uh, that's what we called him anyway. He, he had a twin brother. His twin brother graduated on time. Ferg was mortified that he had to do another year of high school but his senior year of high school, we went to Costa Rica together. We went to Gary V together. We did, there was a ton of stuff that happened that year um, that he was just like, by the time he graduated high school, I remember him telling me at graduation, he goes, getting left back was the best thing that ever happened to me. I wouldn't have had all these experiences. I wouldn't have learned all these lessons. I wouldn't have been as prepared for college if I didn't get left back. And now I'm not saying we need to, you know, remediate kids, but I think that there is value in having kids fail and having kids, because if we want kids to know that they have power, if we want them to know that their voice is important, then when kids aren't using their voice, if kids aren't using their power, then we need to show them that that has repercussions also. But what we can never do is ever, 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 as my friend Adam Welcome says, give up on a kid, right? You can never, there always has to be a, all right. I'm going over here because I have 97 kids that are on point. If you don't want to do this or if you're sleeping or if you're like, I'm giving you all the opportunities and chances I can in the world. Um, at some point, I got to move on. And so uh, let me know when you're ready and I'll try and do my best to catch you up. But that catching up, that helping kids doesn't mean here's all the past work. Now you can do it in the last week of school because you were crying because your mom was sad or something like that. So it is moving on without this idea of no child left behind doesn't make any sense to me when that came out here in the US is because although we shouldn't like that, that that is that is a complete like I'm not even really talking about that because that's a systemic issue right like certain kids being left behind is a systemic issue what you're doing is trying to work to help make sure that kids the the playing field has been leveled that kids with that require special services that have dis uh that have learning differences and learning disabilities that those things are all being met and sometimes, I mean, I'm, let's go on this little rant real quick too. Sometimes when kids get to me and they're 14, right? They have, they don't want to do work. They've given up, but guess what? That's because the school system failed them for 14 years. And now they're showing up having, it's like every single person that showed up and told them they were going to learn and, and win and, and that they were great. Let them fall behind. Now we're starting there, right? But there's still, in the system that we're working in only so much you can do, but it's about building. I think sometimes it's not about building. It's not about helping kids win in lessons. It's helping kids build themselves up because once you feel that confidence, once you feel like, you know, why you're doing what you're doing, once you realize your potential, then it's game on. But if I can lay all that stuff out for you and you're still not doing it, maybe you need to fail, but know that I got you right? Like that. I got you forever. Building relationships with students is not for a year, a day or a month. It's forever. And so knowing, having those kids know that they can come back to me next year or in 10 years to still get help. I got you. I'll never give up on you. Um, but I got to move because the rest of the football team is down the field on the goal line and you want to sit back here, bro. All right, we're, we're going to move on. Let me know when you're ready. And I got you. I think that that's how you go about that. That's, that's worked for me anyway. 
Um, but that's it for this week, gang. Uh, if you need anything else, please know that you can go to realrapwithreynolds.com. We can help you out with stuff there, whether it's you need one-on-one mentoring, whether it's you're looking for someone to speak at your school. Maybe it's the book. You know, uh, I have a book. Chris Carson loves when I mention this called Teacher Class Off. It's available now on Amazon. Um, you can do any of that stuff. You can follow us on social. It's actually on sale on Amazon. If you, oh, if there you go. Holiday season, you know, get the book. Don't just buy one for you. Buy one for a friend that you know needs it also. So that's it, gang. Um, I hope that you have a really wonderful week. I hope that you're taking time for yourself. And look, if you need to have a day off, John Lopez he gets the intentional flu sometimes, he said. And then he sends me texts of him eating scallops and drinking wine for lunch while I'm, you know, hustling and trying to get through it. Um, but that's it, gang. We'll see you next week. Hey, look, if you have a friend that could use this, bring them along with you next week. Tell them about us. We're just trying to help teachers be the teachers that they can be. And I thank you for all of you in the comment section that are doing that with us. Peace. Peace.